tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. Am I doing that right? <laughs> yes. So. Question mark? Cool. I think so. <laughs> Sounds good. I am Mark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount. And today we're talking about chapters 80 and 81 of Carry On. That means we are one, two, three, four, five chapters from the end of this book. Or four chapters plus the epilogue, but the epilogue is obviously a chapter, so never mind. Uh, yeah, we are close to the home stretch of not spoiling the rest of the series, everyone. Mm-hmm. So if you've not read uh, Wayward Son and Anywhere the Wind Blows, you should uh, get on that because once we get to Wayward Son, we are going to be spoiling the whole series. We sure are. It's going to be amazing. Honestly, it was very hard not to put spoilers into this episode, but I managed to restrain myself. I know it was really hard. We've gotten to the point where it's really, really difficult. (laughs) So what happens in these chapters? Oh my God, so much happens in these chapters. All right, so in chapter 80, we're getting multiple POVs, folks. But we start off with Agatha, who just wants to tell the maids what the fuck's up and then go hang out with her normal friend, Minty. But she gets to Watford and can't actually find the mage, just his trash hole office. And some suspicious lights at Whitechapel. Simon, meanwhile, is flying to Watford and having all kinds of existential angst about it. Agatha goes to Whitechapel and contemplates getting even further away from all of this bullshit, even as she follows the smell of smoke deeper into the building. Unfortunately, she's manhandled by the fucking mage, who doesn't actually care about what Agatha has to say, but is very interested in stealing her magic. Baz and Penny, meanwhile, are speeding towards the school, and Baz is completely ready to kill the fucking mage. I know, Winnie. He needs to die. It's, you're right. It is time for that to happen. <laughs> um, Penny has some trust issues and has really, 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 really not figured out that Baz is, in fact, hella gay for her BFF and not still trying to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Agatha is more pissed than scared because she really did not want to get fridged, damn it. Uh, the fucking mage takes her to the oracle room that we remember from a couple chapters back and hears a voice that Agatha, for a wild moment, thinks that Lucy has come to save her. Simon arrives at the school just in time to see the lights from the mage ebb fight because he is Five minutes behind what is happening, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, Agatha is saved from whatever fucked up gross shit the mage is about to do by Ebb, who cast a run for your life spell on Agatha, and Agatha is fucking out of here. So now we're in chapter 81. We start off with Ebb, who feels like she does not have a choice but to get in fall with this fucking bullshit that the fucking mage is up to. The fucking mage is 
trying to work his cobbled together fucked up magic on Christmas because of the power of holidays and fesses up to us, the reader, to the shit that he's put Simon through. His goddamn son, the son that he destroyed Lucy, BTW, to create, he calls a cracked vessel, quote unquote. Mm. But since Simon, all of his uh, sweet magic isn't here, he's going to take the magic from the second best person in his twisted mind, Eb. Eb doesn't know battle magic because she is a tender goat herd, but she knows some uh, bar fighting spells. And the mage is, is still trying to take Eb's magic and ends up, in the end, knifing her in the heart. Um, Eb, unfortunately, is dying and hopes that someone will take care of the goats. And we come to the end of these emotionally wrought chapters. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ugh. God, I know. It's real heavy. Yeah. Heavy, heavy. Um, before we get into this extremely heavy episode, we have like a couple things, a, a handful of things to talk to you about because it's October. A handful of not uh, terribly heavy things. Exactly. A handful of nice, fun things. So first, I want to let you know about an event that is not our event, but is our dear friends over at Black Girls Create's event. Oof, where's the possessive esco on that? So they do this cool thing called Kumba Kickback, a free digital con. I think this is the second year. It's rad. You should all go to blackgirlscreate.org and look into it and register and attend. And probably you'll see Jesse there doing a thing. Yes, I should be in a couple of panels. Um, so you should check out the Black Girls Create website for more information about that. And I will obviously link it in the show notes so that you yeah. can find it easily. So, you know, come hang out. And then in us specific news we are doing a uh, instagram live mad tea party on october 29th at 4 p.m eastern where we will be on instagram live drinking halloween themed tea probably and doing halloween themed mad libs with all of you it's super fun we did one before it was amazing join us it's going to be super fun we're at the gaily prophet on instagram and we're doing our first live show. Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a live recording of an episode of The Gaily Prophet, and that's going to be on Halloween. I think as of when this episode actually airs, tickets will probably be available. Um, I will make sure the information is in the show notes as of this recording, which is on September 28th. I don't have details, but they will be available both in the show notes, on our social media, on our website, all of the places. And... For folks that don't care about Harry Potter, this is our first live show. This is a test run, so we'll see how that works out. What kind of reception, and hopefully we can also do one for, I mean, Wayward Son is coming up next, so that would be cool to do a live show about that. Yeah, it would. So don't fret. <laughs> yes. Do not fret. We will definitely do a live Escape from Reality, assuming that I don't uh, turn into a just non-entity from fear of public performance, which is a possibility. So no promises. I believe in you, though. Thanks, Jesse. Oh, so we're both going to be drinking. <laughs> and in costume because it's Halloween. Hell so yeah. So that'll probably help, too. Last thing. 
uh, this month we're doing a doing a fun thing. Do you want to talk about the donation thing? Oh yeah. Um. So for Halloween, I am doing a special thing for anyone who donates to us on our website hashtag ruthless.com. I will mail you out a handwritten note, hand created note, um, of, with a spooky animal fact of my own choosing to mail to you. So yeah, how exciting is that? Every what's cooler than getting mail? <laughs> Anytime during the month of October, if you go to hashtag ruthless.com and click on make a donation, leave us a donation of any amount, get a spooky animal fact in the mail. Wins all around. Okay. That's all of the things. It's, you know, this is like our our other, you know, how like Christians have like Christmas and Easter. We have Pride and Halloween. So it's October. We have a lot of things to talk to you about. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've just been in my brain referring to Halloween as gay Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but maybe I should just... Because, yeah, it really is. It really is our time. Whatever that quote from the episode of Buffy about the night being our time. <laughs> We're still a couple of old mystics. The night is still our time. Yes, Halloween is still our time. It so. sure is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right so um as jesse mentioned before we are still not spoiling anything past this book but we are spoiling through the end of this book and with that we're gonna enter easy come easy go easy come easy go where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else to be honest i feel like Agatha should have left the mage of voicemail or some shit <laughs> and just already gone to hang out with Minty and not have been roped into any of this bullshit that happens. <laughs> like her heart's in the right place, but. Yeah, I think. Do you think I'm just trying to think if there is a way to contact him that isn't like in person, you know, because he probably I mean, I know he has a cell phone, but Agatha mm-hmm. can't possibly have his cell phone number. But her dad has his cell phone number. So But then the moment the moment she asked her dad, he'd be like, Oh, what are you trying to cut of the mage for? And she used to be like, uh Yeah, but she could have he just seems like the kind of guy that has a Rolodex. <laughs> like she could have just gone into his office and like found it in an analog way without having to like go into his phone to find it. That's true. I want to be like, isn't there a landline at the school? But like, if there was, he probably took it out anyway, because he sucks. Yeah, and he wouldn't answer it anyway. But she'd leave a message. That's true. Uh, Yeah, I also, my first thing was also about my want for Agatha to just go fucking watch Mean Girls and Paint Nails with Minty. Which sounds like a lovely, lovely evening. Right? Sounds so great. I probably wouldn't like Minty very much, but I also want to do that, you know? Yeah, I mean, eating snacks and, like, yeah, just hanging out with one of your friends in a way that is just, like, you're not going to text me about, you're not going to, I don't have to talk anything at all about all this fucking bullshit in the magical world. Yeah, I mean, Minty herself is probably a mean girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Which is very, which still amuses me to think about, but, you know. Yeah, and I don't feel like we can talk about the like manicures thing without mentioning the fact that Agatha tried to do manicures with Penny once. <laughs> this this is actually my 
second point because I love Penny. I truly do. And I'm like, that just Penny, just chill. Like part of the thing of the manicure is it's a like a physical thing that you do that is like not instantaneous. You can like take a moment to like hang out with your friend. Yeah. And he's probably like, which spells can make this faster? I'm like, that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had a fun moment where I was taking basically that exact note and then like tried to take my hands away from the keyboard, but like couldn't do it without writing in parentheses. Why isn't there a spell though? <laughs> because I also was like, I mean, it's, A, it just seems like there would be. It seems like there would be a spell because why wouldn't there be? Yeah, why, yeah, there should be a ton of beauty spells. Yeah. You know? At least spells to make it so that, you know, it's like goes on, you know, doesn't get on your skin or, you know, to make it dry faster so you don't need a machine to do gel manicures. Yeah. And I'm sure I was partly thinking about it last night because I gave myself a very, very complicated nail polish situation last night and then was like, oh, fuck, it's bedtime and my nails are still wet and I have to like brush my teeth without like touching. Oh, no. I'm going to fuck up this thing I spent like 45 minutes doing. So I was like, but why isn't there a spell? Like, (laughs) that would have been really convenient for me. I know. I'm trying to think. And I feel like the only thing... The only thing that comes to mind is the, and I'm sure there would be a ton of examples in in hip hop, but I'm really just thinking about the lyric from Missy Elliott's song "Work It," where it's like, uh, "Get a pair, get a pedicure, get your hair did," and I'm like, that would be a like getting ready spell. Mm. Um, also, so fresh and so clean, clean, obviously. But anyway, yeah, there's definitely. You're right. There's got to be a song that has lyrics about like a good manicure job or a movie quote or something that yeah uh so i don't remember if we get this in the book but what what do the current watford students use the white chapel for because i got this like oh man i hate it i hate the smell of incense in my hair it like takes forever to get out and i'm like this is a pretty secular magical world i'm confused why you're in the chapel burning incense that sounds very religiousy but but the kind of religious that makes people convinced that catholicism is a gateway drug to satan worship (laughs) you know that kind of that kind of religion i feel like is still strongly straddling the border between magic and religion um i feel like that's where their leaving ceremony is isn't it do they have like assemblies in there I don't know. I mean, I guess it would make sense. I mean, when I went to Catholic school, we had like... Yeah, sorry. Baz says the speeches are in the White Chapel mm. at their leaving ceremony. Sorry, go ahead. I guess I just wonder if they must they must use it for like other things, right? Like assemblies and stuff. Because if it was just once a year and they made all the students go to the leaving ceremony, I feel like Agatha would have been like, ugh, fucking White Chapel. yeah. I bet they have, like, events there on, like, eclipses and, you know, other, yeah, it feels, yeah, it seems like a time that you would burn incense as part of a magic ritual-y thing, right? It's also where the drama club performs their plays at. Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) 
<sighs> it's not explicitly said, but I feel like every every school, you, every magical school needs the needs a, needs an art arts program. Didn't the mage get rid of the drama club? Did he? He would. I think so. Yeah. I know that fucking guy. Yeah. Agatha's great. Obviously, she's real good in this chapter. How like how great is the moment when she closes one of the mage's books out of spite? I love her so much. <laughs> Just like good for you, Agatha. Do it. Especially because I feel like his office in my brain looks like the stereotypical like image of the detectives on a case and there's like red string everywhere and everyone's just like what is happening here that's how i imagine the mage's office looks and yeah nothing is just funnier than her being like whoops yeah good luck finding your page again yeah it's so petty and so lovely (laughs) i just really liked it it truly is I actually feel like I didn't have a lot of points for this section because a lot of my stuff is in other places, but Eb is like, I don't know any like fighting or battle magic. I just know 10 different spells to turn water into whiskey. And I'm like, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, someone please tell me how I can turn water into whiskey. <laughs> Potentially not good whiskey, but you know, that's all right. Probably depends on the spell. Yeah. First, you uh, add some fermented corn. <laughs> you leave it for a while. Thanks. I better go out and buy myself an oak barrel, huh, while I'm at it. Only if you want it to be aged. <laughs> Which I do because white whiskey is, you might as well just be drinking vodka. Um, all right, so my last point here is just a little, I, little... I don't know, hard eyes moment that I had about the part where Penny is like, I want to trust Baz because he's a brilliant magician and excellent company. And I'm like, you love him so much. Like they've just, every time we've seen them together the past several chapters, there's been a moment where one or the other of them is like, gosh, I'm so glad that we're friends now. You know, not to each other, to us, but like, I love it. I know, these nerds. Uh, Yeah, actually, I want to talk about that more about in Silhouetto, so. Cool. Welcome to I See a Little Silhouette of a Man, where we talk about character development. Uh, do you want to start with Agatha? Sure. I just really love Agatha in these series, in these, like, couple of chapters. Yeah. I, I especially love, I, I think it's a, I think it's really refreshing to get her sort of magical Luddite point of view, where she's like, why the fuck do we have a spell about taping shit to the wall? Just fucking use tape. Which I think is great, honestly. And it's also, I just also kind of love it as like, she's like grown up with magic. She like is a magical person. Like a not magical person, a lot of times, say for myself, would chew off my left arm to have magic. But she's just like, just fucking use tape, you guys. Like what, like, what is happening? Yeah. And I just, I don't know, I really, I just really appreciate, I don't know, I just really appreciate it of, of Agatha and her, and her character. Yeah, I 
I feel exactly the same way. I think it's it's really incredible. She's just completely over it. Um, I took the same note about her like tape exists line. She's just like, why? And I'm like, well, why not? But also kind of, yeah, to your point, Agatha, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, spelling stuff would, I guess, save the minimal amount of plastic you use with tape. But I mean, really, it's not tape that's the problem. It's terrible corporations polluting and creating lots of plastic junk. So really, yeah, like, Agatha's just like, why overcomplicate things? Yeah. I also I, I also really appreciated just yeah, you can really feel her over itness and the fact that she she's going into the situation, she doesn't know what she's gonna find. And she's like, I left my wand in the car because it didn't fit in my coat pocket. She's just like it was m- minorly inconvenient, and so I didn't do it because I <laughs> really want fuck all to do with my fucking wand. Like I do not care at this point like she's just she's just done and i i really appreciate it yeah and i mean i also appreciate that mood uh-huh. so like so yeah that actually was really all i had about Agatha. i also wanted to say about her that i i just her self-awareness I, she's such an interesting incredibly self-aware character in a way that it's like she's self-aware but also sort of disconnected and the way that she's dealing with the fact that the mage is about to kill her is really a shining example of that where she's like in it and yet totally not in it and she's like of course this is what's happening like of course this is how i'm going to die like it was never gonna happen any other way and then but she's like and also, like, I'm crying because just because I knew this was going to happen doesn't mean I have to like it. Like, I'm not ready for it. And then immediately is like, and I wish I wasn't wearing fucking Ugg boots. <laughs> <laughs> I will not make a good looking corpse in these Ugg boots. I'm just yeah. Like... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, that part is, it's just really great because I feel like i just think it's lovely because sometimes like a character like agatha could be like you don't often get this sort of depth from a like i mean i guess i wouldn't say like a popular like rich boyfriend of the hero type but she's fully aware of the like how she looks to other people and i think that sometimes in media we kind of get like this sort of teen girl image in a way where like she doesn't necessarily have the kind of depth that Agatha has Mm -hmm. in the way that Agatha has it and I really just I just really just I just really love it um I I don't remember if we mentioned it before it kind of a little little bit reminds me of like Cordelia from Buffy (laughs) who is such an excellent character I don't know I feel like you could imagine Cordelia being like ugh I can't believe someone's gonna try to kill me because of my relation to xander or something yeah like a fucking course <laughs> yeah i think i think it's i think it's really great i think agatha's a really great character and i'm glad that whatever whatever publisher whoever it was that or editor that told rainbow rowell that she had to bring agatha back into the story and couldn't just write her out in the middle of the book 
Uh, I'm glad they did that because I I really enjoy her. I think that she's a really nice kind of character to have in a story like this. Yeah, for sure. Who do you want to talk about next? Um, I have Penny next. Cool. So Penny is only briefly mentioned these couple of chapters, but she mentions her deep distrust of most people besides her boyfriend, her parents, and Simon. And I don't know why I find that kind of funny, but I'm like, where are these like intense trust issues coming from? <laughs> like, you seem to have come from a nice, not traumatic family situation. So I'm kind of like, I mean, obviously, tons of people have like trust issues for a variety of reasons, but I'm kind of just like, huh. I didn't read that as a trust issue thing, I think, in the way that maybe. I think about trust issues so much as it being similar to Penny's like never know more people than you could defend from a hungry Rakshasa. Like, I don't think she's afraid to trust Baz so much as she's like, it would require time and energy on my part to like, think about how much I want to, whether or not he deserves my time and energy basically. And she's like, why would I do that when it doesn't serve me? Like she just doesn't have the time. You know, that's actually fair. That's very fair. Because okay. she does seem really sort of well-adjusted as far as characters go. Yeah. Like, super well-adjusted. Yeah. Good for her. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, she can just have her own issues that are not from intense childhood trauma. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Although I do feel like... I'm, I don't know, probably this isn't the episode to talk about it in because there's there's like a lot to talk about. But assuming that Penny is autistic, she's going to have developed trust issues from like go having gone to normal school for mm. the first 11 years of her life and like trying to get by in a school system and with peers that are not going to have been great to her as a autistic girl navigating that system. Yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. Cause that <laughs> being at school, being in the school system, will also really fuck you up. It turns out. Yeah. Especially if you're neurotypical. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Did you have other stuff about Penny? Mm-mm. Do you want to talk about Eb? I do. Cool. Uh, Eb is too good for this world. <laughs> but yeah, we learn we learn a lot about a lot more about Eb. Um, from her perspective and from other people's perspectives in, in this here chapter. Yeah, where you want to start? I mean, this is it's just so painful. Yeah, she's just so good and pure and kind. And I hate that she dies. Over some bullshit. Over some literal fucking bullshit from human compost pile <laughs> over some shit that like no one cares about but him like mm-hmm. cool like thank you for ruining so many lives in this pursuit yeah but i am i am glad that she saves agatha yeah it's her resignation i guess is just it's just really heartbreaking it's really hard like you know, we just get these little pieces from her. She's like, he would have killed that girl. I don't suppose I had a choice but to come back. And then it's like many 
sections later, she's like, I don't suppose I ever had the choices I thought I did. Right. And her last thought before she fucking dies is hoping that someone's going to take care of the girl. I know. Ebb. <laughs> uh, I know. Uh, yet another tragic character in this series. Yeah. Um, so I just need to talk a, a little bit about the mage. Specifically, the utter perfection that is having the fucking mage cast a Morrissey song <laughs> as a spell. You know, I felt embarrassed that I had to look up because I'm like, what is this from? And it's like, oh, of course it's from fucking Morrissey. You mopey piece of shit. Right? And full disclosure, I love the Smiths. Uh, I don't particularly love Morrissey because he's in itself a sort of delusional douchebag. Um, but I'm also a sad, I also was a sad alternative kid. So of course I listened to a lot of the Smiths slash still do listen to the Smiths. So yeah. I mean, the Smiths are great. That doesn't change what uh, being a huge Morrissey fan specifically says about an individual. Yes. Um, if you, listener, are a huge Morrissey fan, you might want to spend some time with yourself. Just think about things. Especially, I learned some very unfortunate things about his political beliefs in the past, like, five yeah. years yes. in my reading today. So. It's not It's not good. It's, it's really not good. I don't know what what galaxy morrissey is in but it is not is it's you know yeah just stop talking he is um exactly he's so he's so perfect for the mage because morrissey (laughs) is exactly what happens when you let one ideology be the single driving factor in your life like he you know listeners who are like what the fuck and also who morrissey he's a musician he was the uh front man for the smiths and has been a solo act since like 89 he is the the pinnacle of militant veganism like the militantist vegan that one can be and in the last like five years has gotten a lot of heat for saying super racist things of course he has and supporting really bad uh political ideologies in the name of veganism but it's it's he it's seriously he's like a slippery piece of glass or something he's like he can't recognize that it's racist because he's just talking about animal rights and it's like get get out of your own ass sir like the picture is bigger than this and so i just think it's so fucking perfect it's so per- like of course the mage listens to Morrissey. Yeah. Exactly. Um and this song specifically too is like Yeah. I don't know. It's so <laughs> perfect. It's so perfect. Yeah, the fact that I didn't immediately know what song was was makes me feel a little bit embarrassed but also like that's probably fine. But It's probably fine. It's like yeah. a B-side on Yeah, I do like this song though. <laughs> anyway, I also I also like it. I I had to look it up, and then when I listened to it, I was like, oh, I know I've heard this before. But so, like, listeners, a recurring refrain 
in it is this idea of like my situation is such that like despite my being an innately good person the situation has made me do bad things and just for once in my life please let me get what I want and it's just such a like it's a very good encapsulation of the mage (laughs) in a way where I'm like if you were making a mix about the mage you would have to you could just have this song and be like I'm done yeah (laughs) I'm good (laughs) Yeah. It gives me this song like five times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's excellent writing, is what it is. It's just perfect. Yeah. Yeah. This is truly knowing your character. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Rainbow Rowell woke up one morning and was like, the mage is a fucking Morrissey fan. And that was like the moment that everything clicked for her. Right, right. Or she's like listening to like the Smiths or whatever, or like watching a clip of Morrissey saying some ridiculous racist ass shit. It's just like, that's him. That's the mage right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about politics and things that are fucked up. Just the fucking mage, dude. So, like, I think my biggest thing is, what is his plan here? And does it involve some kind of, like, sexualized violence? Because we know that his first tribe with Lucy is to conceive, is to create Simon, which, as we know, sucks all of basically Lucy's magic and her life force, question mark. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we learn in Agatha's chapter, he's already slathered himself up on his chest with whatever blue blood, which I think we determined a couple chapters ago, we're going to say is dragon's blood or mm-hmm. something like that. So I kind of am just like, in my brain, I'm like, was he just like, like, what was he planning on doing? And all of it is, all your options are gross and immoral. Yep. I mean, I think maybe we'll get more hints about this in the next chapter. I don't remember. I mean, because that's when we see whatever the spell that he's going to cast on Ebb is. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'd, I didn't get sexualized violence vibes from it. I mean, namely because he's, he's kill he's killing her. Like, mm-hmm. you know. It's not like he's incapacitating her. Yeah. He's stabbed her. I think, you know, forcibly taking someone's power always has a, comes with a side of, you know, rapey vibes. But, um. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I think especially if we're been describing the the sharing of magic as sex, sexy sex then the taking of magic is definitely has some really like has some rape vibes to it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no matter what, right. He, I mean, he's like, I can take her power. I just have to kill her first. Right. Yeah. He says. And I mean, obviously we're going to get more into it in the next chapter when Simon shows up and the mage is like, Oh, hello, my battery. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, oh, 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 your death could not have been slower. 
Bro. Ugh. Yeah. Or, I mean, his, his death could have been slower. His death was too fast, in my opinion, for, like, what a complete just... I feel like I don't even have words to describe how much I despise him. <laughs> like, you want more more suffering for him. Yes. Yeah. Because, what the fuck? Just, you, you didn't have to do all of this shit. And that you did. And yeah. you did not for a minute stop to think about the people who you were hurting or killing. Because it didn't matter to you. I know. The fact that he uses the word sacrifice twice to talk about him murdering Eb. One of those two times is out loud to her. Yes. It's like, oh no. No, 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 no. No, sir. What did you think about the part where he's talking to Lucy? He's like, I thought we'd done it. At great cost, yes, but I thought we'd done it, Lucy. We brought the greatest mage. And, like, the at great cost is, like, literally Lucy's life. Like, I don't know, the fucking audacity of that just... Oh, no, no, no. It's so angry. Yeah. Yeah. It is... Right. It's, like, the audacity. And also, it makes me wonder, honestly, if... Considering how he sort of viewed Lucy when she was alive, if he, in his brain, still, like, talks to her or talks at her, which I'm sure is a lot of what their communication was when she was alive, was just him talking at her, you know? Yeah. And so it doesn't actually matter if she's there or not, because he doesn't fucking care, really. He likes the idea of her and, of course, what she can provide for him, but not her as a person. Right. So... Yeah, he's just despicable. He's just a despicable waste of space, honestly. It's so wild because he, even now, even now where he's here, like kidnapping Eb and murdering her to steal her power to try and fix Simon. I actually don't think at this point we know what his objective is, right? Is his objective to heal Simon or to like heal fight the humdrum i think think his objective is to fix the humdrum problem before the other magical families come and straight up murder him (laughs) which to be honest i would have loved to have seen (laughs) (laughs) the pitches would not have made that a quick death and i'm here for that honestly yeah this is a moment where your uh, Capricorn moon and scorpio rising are like solidly shaking hands being like vengeance (laughs) more do it (laughs) yeah despite my very uh sunny personality there is definitely a very vicious bloodthirsty part (laughs) yeah especially for people people like the mage it's just like no you've already forfeited your you you forfeited any right to not just have like the worst possible end to you so yeah he's um it's no good no yeah do you have anything else here i don't besides that he should have never been fucking in charge of children (laughs) (laughs) yeah (sighs) that's for sure so i know that i know the world of mages is small but you could have found someone else to be the headmaster of the school yeah like shit make eb the headmaster she'd have done a great job Oh, she would. I know. She never would have taken that job. She never would have taken that job, but she'd just been like, y'all do what's working. This is great. 
I'm gonna hang out with the goats. Call me if there's a problem. You know where to find me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to I'm Just a Poor Boy, where we talk about ways that you can support our work. Um, This week, I'm going to talk about our sticker club, because I realized that this month's sticker is like on theme with this month's donation special, given that Jesse will send you spooky animal facts if you leave us a donation, if you then want to head to our merch shop and join our sticker club, you'll get a spooky animal sticker in in the mail as well. And it's uh, real gay and cute and great and you'll love it. So like, check it out. It's super fun and one of the more exciting, uh, unexpected parts of my podcasting life is getting to draw pictures and then turn them into stickers and then send them to all of you in the mail it makes me very happy and um makes you very happy so wins all around yeah i mean who doesn't love a sticker club where you get a surprise cool sticker in the mail so agreed that's hashtag ruthless.com shop and you will find it Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. I feel like I had just like a, I feel like I have a very half completed thought about mm-hmm. Eb and kind of just her, because like she spends some time thinking about like choices and thinking like, oh, maybe I didn't have that much choice to kind of sit out of the sort of fucked up power play in the world of mages. And... I don't know it's just like it's just, it's super it's super sad that she just can't fucking be left alone and i think despite eb's thought i don't i don't necessarily think it was inevitable but then i, I was also kind of thinking about it like i don't know if you have something incredibly valuable that people can see that you have like a giant like a bunch of gold or something like a bunch of gold jewelry you're like wearing around like maybe eventually someone's gonna be like, "Oh, I need that from you," and that's just and I'm like, I don't know. It just it feels fucked up, and I feel like I don't quite know how to like process. Actually, I don't know if I'm making a point at all. Really, it's just it sucks that she can't just be powerful and not have to do anything with it. Yeah, I don't know. Do you feel like in the moment where she's like, "Well," I'm dying because of this power that I always felt like had too much of a say in the trajectory of my life. Do you feel like it was somehow comforting to her to be like, this was inevitable, even if it wasn't? Maybe. And I mean, it's possibly it's, and it's also possible that it's not perhaps the first time she's contemplated what her own death would be like. Mm-hmm. As someone who we've seen earlier in the earlier part of this book as dealing with a lot of grief and depression Mm -hmm. so it's actually pretty similar to what agatha is thinking in these chapters which where agatha's like of course it's some fucking bullshit about simon that's gonna get me killed and and it was kind of like of course it's some fucking bullshit about my magic that i don't think she doesn't care about but the amount of power that she has 
doesn't it's not a thing that is it seems to consume her thoughts with or anything mm-hmm. you know yeah eb is like someone who's i don't know six foot six and doesn't want to play basketball yeah like everyone around her is like why aren't why aren't you playing basketball and she's like i don't fucking want to like i don't have no i didn't come into this world like signing a fucking basketball contract just because my jeans said i'm gonna be tall like i got the strong magic jeans i want to hang out with goats fuck off everyone <laughs> actually i think this is actually a way better analogy because uh so one of my fan in my extended family is like that who is just a really tall big young person and i mean like people want him for sports but it's like there's a lot of uh terrible things that come with sports like if you go into football the amount of traumatic brain injury that you get that there is this science to support is going to kill you or like right. make your life very difficult and it's like and yet you still want to harass someone who like doesn't want to do that shit even though they're what you imagine is what this vague you know, oh, well, the sports, we we need this person for the sports. And it's like, you're not even thinking about what the effect on that person is. Right. You're thinking about your own selfish desires and wants, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, leave, let people do whatever the fuck they want to do. Yep. Just because you're good at something doesn't mean that you have to do the thing. Yeah. So... Do you wanna do you wanna talk about that part that you mentioned in your summary, where the mage calls Simon a cracked vessel? Yes, I do. Oh my god, just what a piece of shit! Flames on the side of my face. Yes, heaving, heaving breaths. Just okay. Yeah, (laughs) definitely all of the flames on the side of my face for this. I mean, obviously, considering that it is the mage that has set up Simon to grow up in foster care because for his own twisted reasons and has never told him and is now also trying to sacrifice him. It's just like, you just... Is he going to sacrifice Simon? I mean, he wants to take Simon's magic in the next chapter, I think. But yeah, um, I think that... I mean, really referring to any person as broken is fucked up, and you should definitely reevaluate your life. Mm-hmm. Um, to think of your own child like that just seems like an extra level of especially heinous. Yeah, and I just, I feel like the mage's motives for quote-unquote fixing Simon aren't to improve Simon's life. It's to, I mean, A, cover his own ass and to be, be like, I have created the greatest, I have molded and shaped and created the greatest mage. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's just, it's very selfish and self-serving and it's just fucked up. Yeah. I, it felt very like, how dare you? Don't, don't, like you did this. Don't, don't you dare talk about my son like that. Yeah, exactly. Davy. <laughs> Welcome to Sends Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff, which, like, 
there isn't any, but I will be damned if I let Eb die out of this book without talking about how hot she is slash was. Yeah. So uh, let's let's have a little like ode to Eb. A little a little uh, memori- a memorial uh, discussion about just her being a hot queer trying to hang out with some goats, which and dryads. Right. I mean, honestly, the life. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, Eb, super hot, cottagecore, living her, you know, maybe not her dream, but in a lot of ways, like, living the life that she chose for herself, and just, what you know, every time Eb has been in a Kiss Kill Improvise, she has been chosen for kissing, I think, because she fucking deserves it, and is great. Hell yeah. Yeah, definitely not gonna try to kill Eb a, se- a second time <laughs> <laughs> i mean she doesn't deserve it here that's for damn sure no so yeah just thinking about like the flashback scenes that we got from nico about Eb like spelling the drawbridge down so that her and nico and fiona could like go drinking in town when they were not supposed to leave campus and stuff like just Eb was just an incredible incredible person and also we would all be incredibly lucky to be her dryad companion yeah right or even just to like i don't know go party with her <laughs> and her equally hot twin bud her <laughs> in their youth i mean it just sounds like this is like a great time it sure i does. mean they obviously were too cool for literally anyone else so they would have been like lol you're not hanging out with us <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Eb wouldn't, but Nico and Fiona would. Oh, so. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did you have anything here? Uh, I did not. Okay, so as an alternative to Kiss, Kill, Improvise this week, I instead want to offer you three battle spells that could also be sex spells. Oh, okay. And I invite you to just rank them. All right. Using whatever arbitrary standards you want okay. um, from, like, least to most. All right. So I will, you should read them to me, and then I will choose, and then I will talk about my arbitrary ranking of them. Perfect. Okay, so your options are head over heels, resistance is futile, and bend over backwards. Okay, so let's do, let's do head over feet. Bend over backwards. Resistance for is futile. All right, and so I mean, so I picked head over heels as number one because of. Wait, hang on. Are we going from least to most or most to least? Most, most useful in both fighting and sexy times. I guess maybe most, maybe most useful is really my only criteria at this point. So let me. So okay, I'll, yes. I'll go through. All right, so head over feet is definitely something that would be really great in a when you're in a fight as knocking someone down um also the application to the bedroom pretty straightforward i would say Mm -hmm. so you're pretty it is like pretty clear what the benefits for using it either in a fight or having sex but never backwards is what i i would say something that sounds like it'd be more useful in the bedroom than in a fight. Uh, we see it used here in a fight where it's sort of like 
the mage sort of like bendy man like bending over backwards which does seem useful but i think not as useful as it could be okay you know like you're not as much incapacitated as you're just like wobbling around which i'm kind of like what do you like where do you go from there what do you do um and then resistance is futile is at the bottom just because i think in terms of the use having sex it seems a little bit too it doesn't it doesn't seem as consensual it doesn't seem to be like consensual sex magic which i dislike if you consent to it previous to it being used that's true I guess I'm just concerned about the possibility of it being misused. Okay. I mean, obviously, I'm only offering these in a consensual... Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...scenario. Yeah. So I think this is useful in a fight. Yeah. I mean, you could just be like, all right, this fight is... You could just end the fight right there. So high marks for fighting. I think good in the bedroom, but possibility of misuse doesn't put it as high as the other two in my book. Excellent. Is this just fantasy? Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. All right, so I'm going to start off not with an actual spell, but Agatha mentions that she has to take the stairs to go to the headmaster's office because she doesn't know the spell for the elevator. Mm-hmm. I want to know what, what I'm just like what would I like don't even know what an elevator spell like is it specifically elevate is like specifically for an elevator or is it just like because like I guess up up and away wouldn't work especially since we find out that it could also move your lungs around and kill you which is like <laughs> but I don't know I was like trying to think about what that would look that would look like and I'm just like I don't know also again. Why aren't there buttons for the elevator? Why is it powered by magic? So I think uh, Baz takes the elevator and I think in this building, yeah, earlier in the book and he like he calls it the staff elevator. So I assume they have a spell in lieu of like what would be a key, you know, mm. like schools have keyed elevators that yeah. are only for like teachers and students who are like on crutches or in a wheelchair or something. Mm-hmm. That's what that was my read on the situation was that they just had a spell instead. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Like a password. <laughs> yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah, that makes more sense than being like a spell to move the elevator seems like sus. <laughs> yeah, it does. It really does. So the mage says that Simon is cracked because he was looking too far back in time when he was coming up with the spells to make him and says that new power must come from new psalms there feels like there it seems like there's something really like hefty to the word new there like new power i mean maybe it's something like kind of what ends up happening is that simon isn't creating new magic he's just quickly siphoning off the existing or like quote unquote like old magic of the you know the geography of England and maybe the mage's goal was for Simon to be powerful because he's tapped some kind of unknown magical source which may or may not even exist or be real oh I like that I'm into that yeah cool 
Yeah, and then considering the text that we get mentioned uh, when he's doing research is like, right, things like Beowulf and stuff. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know much about the classics, but I do know that Beowulf is old as shit. <laughs> right. Like, as, as a text. Right. Um, and so, yeah, maybe using ancient text just means, right, he just, right, he just tapped into the existing thing instead. Right. But I'm also just like, I guess I don't know if he's like literally meaning like Psalms like in the Bible. No, I don't think so. I think he means Psalms as a figurative, like yeah. new languagey. Thank you so much for interpreting my hand motion. You're welcome. <laughs> oh God, I'm just trying to <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm just imagining the maids trying to use like chat speak to like <laughs> to cook like to like you know try to do whatever he wants Simon to be doing and it's just not working yep so yeah um what do you have next um the first the first one I have is come out come out wherever you are which doesn't seem to work on Eb and I don't actually necessarily know if it works on doesn't seem to work on Agatha either and so I'm like is this just a compulsion slash reveal yourself kind of spell i mean he can see he can see agatha when he casts it um yeah i think it's a revealing spell i think it doesn't work on ebb i mean we see her sort of just what does she say she lets spells burn up in her magic which is so lovely yeah i have actually that as a as my last point i have it in all caps because it's like wait what the what (laughs) holy shit it's so good. Uh, love it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm going to guess that that's why it doesn't work on her, is that she's just like, no. Yeah, it's, it's just not going to work. That's fine. It's yeah. like, how, is, how are you real? <laughs> I know. Love it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and then we have Up, Up, and Away, which can pull your lungs out through your shoulders if you cast it on yourself or a person in general, because it's a hot air balloon spell, and that makes a lot of fucking sense. Of course it would do that. That's disgusting and horrifying. Yep. But also, you know what's weird is the thought that someone was like, oh, like a levitation spell, and then was like, whoops, definitely killed that person. That's okay, let's refine it a bit. We'll figure this out. (laughs) (laughs) especially since there doesn't seem to be any kind of system where anyone's researching what spells do it's sort of like i'm just gonna try it and i'm like yeah that what a terrible day for that person oh i think it's so interesting though like how oh i think it's so interesting like you're turning whatever object that you're casting this on essentially into a hot air balloon like that's fucking rad i -hmm. think that's really cool without much control if you have to use another spell to get back down though that's how hot air balloons work that's true there's gotta be a better way (laughs) (laughs) maybe no one uses this besides on like balloons or i don't know what else you're trying to levitate stuff yeah you can probably cast it on right non-living things to levitate them but yeah i mean it definitely wouldn't it wouldn't be controllable. It would be like a hot air balloon where you have to you have to counter it to make it go back down. Yeah. Yeah, no thanks. No thanks on that. 
Yeah, no, never cast that on me. <laughs> uh, we've already talked about the Morrissey spell. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then we have uh, Hell Hath No Fury, which, mm-hmm. at least for Eb, uh, causes fire to pour out of her magical staff, which should have murdered the mage. But because he's, again, hopped up on whatever weird bullshit he's been doing to do this fucked up ritual, I guess it doesn't actually do anything. But what a cool spell. Very cool spell. I also wrote transvalidation. Hell yeah. My favorite thing concept in fantasy stories with trans characters is when magical systems like validate the person's gender yeah um yeah i i i i just love that eb instead of fighting with nico would cast these like calming spells on him um also like i feel in my body the level of just fury that i would experience if i was trying to fight with someone and they fucking cast hush little baby on me even like i i imagine it working but also you're still like alive and awake inside of the spell calming you and you're like fuck you <laughs> just like no i'm so mad how dare you like cast this condescending baby spell on right you're me. like carl's in a comfortable <laughs> position but your face is still like i fucking hate you yeah you're doing this yeah you're like yeah you're like a cat with a fucking <laughs> cone on right you're just like i will murder you the moment (laughs) this cone comes off my neck (laughs) Uh, um and it made me wish that eb had cast one of those on the mage honestly yeah that might have worked i mean maybe not because he's the worst down to his core but but he is the biggest little baby i mean truly uh run for your life which seems like a very useful spell um because agatha is lily propelled yeah to get the fuck out of there which is good yep did you want to talk about any more of her i really want to mention the helter skelter (laughs) spell okay just because like the mage is like what is this child spell you're using and i'm like that sounds actually generally horrifying and scary what is happening like and you're just like brushing off like all of the floorboards are peeling up and like the windows are shattering and you're just like ugh. yeah but also i mean in in a way he's right because like that's happening and it's basically only serving to distract ebb because he can just like yeah. he's like i know what this spell does and he just walks right through it and mm-hmm. gets to her which is yeah um, I wanted to ask you, so resistance is futile, I assume, is a compulsion spell, right? Yeah. And so is the please, 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 let me, let me, let me, right? Yeah. So these are illegal, and not that the mage cares at this point, but he's casting some illegal spells on both Ebb and Agatha. Yeah, I, okay, so I'm actually curious because, yeah, so Resistance is Feral is from Star Trek, pretty well known in the 90s, so probably on the books as being an illegal compulsion spell. 
I mean, yeah, so the Smith was popular. I feel like, I'm like, part of me is like, did he just like, not like create the spell, but maybe not necessarily a thing where people, you know, maybe not necessarily as well known because it's not even one of like, it's not necessarily a like Smith's hit. So part of me is just wondering if it's like working for him because I think he's just maybe just has created this spell, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I think that the end of this book between Nico in the last chapter shortly there before and the mage here I think we're finally really understanding what ma- magic is and that magic isn't as constrained as Watford teaches it to be and as like Penny and her parents and Baz think about it as being mm-hmm. because you're not making a spell you're discovering a spell you know yeah. like you don't have to create a spell the spells exist if the thing if the thing is out there in the in the parlance right like if people are saying it and you can think of a way to apply it magically it's there you just have to see it and so i think like nico understands magic and i think eb too understands mm-hmm. magic and probably so does the mage so he's like yeah here's the smith song like i like it i know enough other morrissey fans out there are gonna like this song it's gonna mm-hmm. work like this like no one has to ever have used that spell before for that to be a real and effective spell you know yeah 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 it's a little bit it's kind of like yeah like the way that english is taught in u.s schools and what people who are rappers and poets do with language and form and meter is like it's not necessarily a thing that gets taught even though you're kind of taught the building blocks of it in school but it's not like you're explicitly taught how to make a good rhyme how to Mm -hmm. you know i mean poetry is taught in school but not necessarily contemporary poetry unless you're in a very progressive ish literature class or whatever the fuck yeah i am with you i feel like the the way that magic is taught puts imaginary constraints on what magic is and can do Mm -hmm. yeah when really it's sort of about right like being able to read or know or hear a like turn of phrase and being able to like apply it in a situation where you know the magic of it will work Mm -hmm. you know yeah that's like it's a skill that people like work at and practice on you know so yeah Thinking about it like that, it makes me sad that their, like, eighth year project is, you know, discovering a new spell, and it's the first time that any of these children are apparently even trying to discover a new spell, when I feel like one of their primary classes at Watford should be basically improv, you know? Right, and especially for young people where it's, like... I mean, IRL in the US, that's where a lot of like new language stuff is coming from, you know? I guess I'm thinking specifically about like internet language, even though I'm aware that a lot of internet language is just AVE that has been <laughs> appropriated <laughs> to like quote unquote generic young people internet speak. But I mean, things like chat speak sort of became a thing with people who were online and were computer literate, you know? Mm-hmm. And I guess. I guess I just don't know a lot about how language forms, but it would seem like, especially for young people, like, right, you would be able to 
know if there's a new a new saying a new phrase like a new like whatever to be like here's how you would use on fleek in a spell right and i'm like i'm just sitting here thinking about you know everything that penny and baz have told us right where it's like nursery rhymes are the strongest spells like songs don't make good spells because they go out of vogue and all of these things feel very like old person logic like you know it's like well if i if your great grandchildren won't be able to cast it then like what's the point in finding the spell and it's like did the spell work in the moment that you needed it then i think it was worth using as a spell right but it feels like you know it's very scary to folks to have like younger generations younger people know and be able to do things that they can't do that they don't have access to and so maybe this myth has just been propagated in the society of like you know the only spells that you should be doing are like tried and tested spells that have been around for a long time right and i think that i think it's a lie i think that's not true and then you as a teacher you don't have to learn anything new and apply new information to your teaching right if you're like all right cool so we can use songs from like the 60s and before that but anything new just isn't gonna work it's just too new and it's just like really right yeah yeah i mean right even if a spell only works for like two weeks while twitter is buzzing about a fucking thing okay so like for those two weeks can you summon some salami as a treat yes <laughs> you ate the salami and it was real so like what is the harm <sighs> this is actually very interesting because if you think about the power of spells that are memes part i mean part of meme culture is being self-referential and there is always a possibility of right a little salami as a treat coming back in a new way in a weird way that like we cannot anticipate so it makes me think that if you were to say right have spells from mean from memes they would still hold power because people like me who will see a meme and then relate it back to me myself like seven years ago and then like laugh about it or listen to a thing and be like oh yeah remember that remember the uh you know girl boss gatekeep gaslight meme that that's exactly mm. <laughs> what this reminded me of and so it's still kind of in a cultural zeitgeist even if maybe no one is currently using it anymore right that makes sense yeah absolutely yeah and 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 you just like have no way of predicting how long a thing is going to have have sway like i was just thinking about you know tis the season what an incredible halloween decoration spell freaking bats i love halloween would be <laughs> and if like in the moment when that vine was popular someone had been like a spell you know what for a teacher would have been like absolutely not and you're like it's been years and like everyone knows what freaking bats is a reference to right like that child is in high school now <laughs> you know and it would absolutely like i have zero doubt that i would be able to wave a wand and say freaking bats i love halloween and my entire house would be full of like incredible halloween decorations right which would be so cool 
Putting, so up de- putting up decorations is very annoying. <laughs> uh, yeah, and this is what's wrong with like stuffy standardized education, and yeah. why everyone should just get educated on the internet if they can. Because <laughs> ha- hashtag unschool yourself. Uh... Yes. <laughs> With a backwards K. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> you like I can't even tell you how close I was in high school to just dropping out and be like, I'll just get my GED and hang out at the library and just learn a bunch of shit. I did not do that because family expectations, but I definitely could have. And yeah. what a better person I might have been. <laughs> I mean, a lot a lot of people that I went to high school with who had like ADHD and, you know, no one just like forcing them to finish the thing did exactly that which is fine i know just imagine that time i could have spent just endlessly reading when i didn't have to have a job or think about healthcare. <laughs> would have just been i could have read so many more books about genetics anyway <laughs> yeah yep. i guess there's still i guess there's still time to do all that stuff some of that stuff Anyway, uh, don't tell your parents we encourage you to drop out of high school. Any of our <laughs> high school agents. Uh, yeah. Do we have any more spells to talk about? I think that's it. All right. I just want to end this talking about Eb being like, oh, yeah, I could just absorb spells. I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. What? This is not a casual thing. <laughs> you are so full of magic that... Your basic, your magic is a, like a castle stone wall and people can just throw spells at it. And you're like, it's not going to have at it. Keep going. Waiting for you to tire yourself out. That is wild. And hot. And hot. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. It's really fucking great. Eb Eb is a lover, not a fighter. Yep. R.I.P. R.I.P. Thank you for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. Next time, we're reading chapters 82 and 83. Holy crap. We're so close to the end. so close to the end. Um, Don't forget to check out our show notes for information about all the stuff we talked about at the top, um, as well as information on how to find us, how to support us, all of the things. Because... You know what? We've already talked for a long time. So if you want to find me on the internet, I am uh, at Lark Malachi on Instagram. And that's also my website where you can get a tarot reading from me. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Live from Detroit or on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester and myself. And the music and our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. The rest of the music is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And until next time, Scaramouche!